Well, today we're continuing our series that we started last week, and we entitled it just simply, Won't You Be My Neighbor? We're talking about what it really means to be the kind of person that is following after God, living for God, and loving others in the power and the love of Christ, to to show what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. Now, last week, you know, we talked about how that when Jesus told us to love our neighbors as ourselves, that the idea that, that he wanted to convey was just simply this, that we have a duty and a responsibility to love those who are close to us and those who are far away to love those who who look like us and act like us and those who don't act like us and don't look like us. And that he told us to love those that we like, which is easy, but also to love those that we don't like. That's a little bit more difficult. And we walked through last week why it is that we have to love people as God has commanded us, told us that we need to love. Now today we're going to continue. We're going to talk from a practical standpoint, a practical viewpoint of how do we love them? Like, what does loving our neighbor really mean? And today what I'm going to give you is kind of like kind of a practical statement that comes from God's Word that, that really is kind of based, basically kind of drawn down into four different things, three acts and one result of our acts, okay? Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles within Matthew chapter 5. This is a Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was clearly uh, giving us instructions on how we're to live. And as you're turning to Matthew chapter 5, I want to read... Uh, again, just as our kind of our key verse, our underlying verse of everything that we're talking about, it's from Matthew chapter 22, and as you're turning, you don't need to turn there, but as you're turning to Matthew chapter 5, let me read these words to you. And Jesus said to him, the lawyer that was testing him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that is the underlying theme of everything that we're talking about. All the stuff that we're going to be discussing uh, last week, this week, next week, and the following week of how do we love? How do we make sure that we're doing what Jesus commanded us to do? Because remember, we've talked about this before. If Jesus said, commanded us to do something, if we do not do it, this is a pop quiz, what is that? It's sin, right? If Jesus commands us to do something and we don't do it, it is sin. So therefore, do you think it's important that we figure out how we're supposed to love? And the answer, of course, is yes. We need to make sure we get this right. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5. How do we love them? How do we actually love our neighbor as ourselves? Now, I want to just kind of give you a quick kind of a a caveat as we're walking through this passage today, uh, because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about Jesus' words here. Uh, He's talking about how to love those like we don't really like that much, uh, how to love our enemies, how to love the people that like, like we don't really care much for when it comes right down to it, people who hurt us, people who persecute us, those kinds of things as we read through this passage. Now, I'm reading this passage, but I want you to make sure you understand something. That as Jesus is saying these words, he's conveying this idea and talking about enemies, talking about those who persecute us, but it's not an exclusive just to them. So in other words, we're talking about like our enemies, how we're to love them in a practical way. But what Jesus is really saying is you love the people you like and you love the people that you don't like and you love them in the exact same way. So do you understand that, that, that just kind of that precursor to what we're about to read? This is dealing with basically, as we kind of summarized our entire sermon last week, who are we supposed to love? Everyone. You guys listened that last week. That's awesome. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, again from the Sermon on the Mount. And let's begin reading with verse 41, uh, 43. It says this, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now I want to pause right there just for a moment. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're to hate our enemy. 
Okay? That is something that, that Jesus, when he said this word, you've heard it said. He didn't say you've heard it written. He said you've heard it said you, that you are to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. The reason that Jesus said it this way is because in their culture, and we talked a little bit about this last week, it was kind of an understood thing. It was kind of a conveyed message that was within the congregation of Israel that they were to truly love the people that were in the congregation of Israel, in the family of Israel, but the people outside, the Gentiles, that it didn't convey over. It wasn't that big of a deal. That the Israelites had this idea that goes all the way back to Leviticus uh, chapter 19, that, yeah, you've got to love the people in the congregation, but the people outside, nah, it's not, that, it's not that important, right? And so even though God never said, hate your enemy, in practice what they had heard, in practice what they had been taught by rabbi after rabbi after rabbi is this, love the people who are like you, everybody else, it just doesn't matter. Now, I've got to be honest with you. That's kind of what we live in the culture today. Because in our culture today, that's how we kind of do things. You have never heard me or any other preacher get up and say, well, maybe some preachers, but don't, you shouldn't listen to those preachers, that you should hate your enemies. You've never heard it said you should hate people that don't look like you. You've never heard that you should hate people that don't act like you. You've never heard that you should hate people outside of the faith and only love those within the room, within the, the family of God. You haven't heard that, but I've got to be honest with you. In our culture today, that is somewhat... Um, at times and in certain locations, certain places, kind of a pervasive message that while not said, it's kind of hinted at, okay? So what was happening then, still happening now, here's what Jesus said. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I, Jesus says to us, I say to you, love your enemies, Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he, God, makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you, uh, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Then the last verse here, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, let me just take a moment, kind of walk through exactly what it is that Jesus is saying here. He's basically saying, listen, you've been taught your whole lives. Love the people within the congregation of Israel. Love the people who look like you, act like you, talk like you, go to the same synagogue as you. You love those people. But everybody outside of that congregation, it doesn't matter. Now, it's not written in the Mosaic Law, but listen, the rabbis would hint and, and the people would talk about it. It became kind of an expected practice, kind of the thing that they did, the way that they lived. Listen, love the people in the room. Doesn't really matter about the people outside. Love the people that you like. Yeah, the people over there, it's not that big a deal. Don't worry about it. So Jesus said, listen, you've heard it said, love the people in the room. But man, you can hate your enemy. But I, Jesus, the Son of God, say to you, love your enemies, bless your enemies, do good for your enemies, pray for your enemies, because even God himself sends the Son on the good and the bad. Here's what Jesus was saying. He was saying this, is that the blessings that we enjoy as people within the family are the same blessings that God extends to people outside the family. When you woke up this morning, 
and you uh, happened to walk outside and you saw that, you know, the, the beautiful sun that had come up and, and the fact that, you know, it, it was light outside and you saw the trees and you saw the green grass and you drove to uh, church this morning, you saw the beautiful things, the mountains. Let me just tell you something. Do you think God only allows us to see that? I mean, do you think God only allows the people within the family of God to see the sun and to see the, you know, the stars and to see the, 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 the beautiful clouds and the mountains and the grass? No, God gives it to everybody. It says in the passage that God allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And what does rain do? Man, obviously when we have rain, we don't like rain that much. But if we did not have rain, guess what would end up happening? We would die, Right? Because we have to have water, right, to live. And so what rain does is it replenishes uh, the earth. It helps things to grow. It helps to plants to grow so we can have food to eat. It, it replenishes the water source so we have things to drink. So God's Word says this. So He allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. So the idea that Jesus is getting across here is this, that it does not matter whether good or bad, whether evil or, or righteous, God sends the same types of blessings to all of the world. Now listen, let me ask you a question. I think you know the answer to this. Why would that be true? Why would it be true that God extends those blessings to everyone, whether righteous or not righteous? Let me give you a hint. It's found in a verse that maybe you've heard before. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the... Right? So here's what Jesus is saying. So God loves everybody. God loves every person that has ever been born who will ever be born. God so loved the world. And so Jesus is saying, so if God loves that way, then don't you think you should? If God loves everybody, then don't you think you should? He goes on to say, now, you know, sometimes you have this idea that you only love those that, that you like. I mean, what kind of reward, what kind of blessings should you get for doing that? Because everybody does that. Even the tax collectors do that. Isn't it cool that in the Bible, the tax collectors back then, they weren't like, is this as much as they're not like today? I mean, you know, April 15th in, in the year 1 AD was just as bad a day as it is now. And so he said, well, what reward do you have there? Even the tax collectors do that. Okay, so here it is. How do we love? Jesus is making it clear. And this prescription that he gave us in Matthew chapter 5, again, three acts, one result. Okay? And so I want to walk through just quickly. Three acts, one result that Jesus was commanding us to do. And remember, let's, let's start here. If Jesus commands us to do something and we do not do it, what is it? It is sin. So let's kind of walk through here, if we could, the idea that Jesus is giving. The first thing he said this, be a blessing. Be a blessing. Go back to what it says here in verse uh, 44, in the middle of that verse. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Now the word bless there is the Greek word eulogeo, which literally means, I want you to hear this now, because we think of the word bless, like, like if I were to walk over here, I always walk over here, I'm not going to walk over here. You guys get, I come over here every week, I'm going to come over here. So let's see here, you're sweet, what's your name? Kaylee? Kylie. Kylie, that's a beautiful name. Have you ever sneezed? You have? So when you've sneezed, has someone ever said bless you when, when you sneezed? It's like, bless you, right? You've heard that before, right? Okay. That is not what Jesus is saying. Like, so we had this idea, like, oh, bless you, you know. And like, we've done our job. 
We have fulfilled the command of God. We've moved on. Kylie sneezed. Bless you. If you sneeze today, I'm going to right up there in front of millions of people, I'm going to say bless you, okay? You got it? That's not what Jesus was saying. The word eulageo, the Greek word here that Jesus used, is the idea of heaping on blessings, heaping on praises. Heaping, that's the key word, heaping. You know what heaping means? That means you're pouring it on, right? It means you're like you are loading it up, right? How many of you have ever had a, a hot fudge brownie sundae? And you put that brownie in there, and you put some ice cream on, and you get that thing of hot fudge, and you put that... Do you ever, like, put, like, one little dab of hot chocolate on top of your brownie? That wouldn't be very good, would it, right? We heap the chocolate on there, right? Because it's not bad enough for us to begin with. We've got to make it really bad. We've got to just pack on the sugar. We've got to make sure, listen, if we're going to eat 1,000 calories, we've got to at least get to 2,000 calories, or it doesn't count, Right? So we heap on that hot fudge, we heap on that chocolate syrup to make this thing like really, really good. Or maybe you've gone to Domino's or Little Caesars Pizza Hut and say, hey, I'd like to get a large cheese pizza with extra cheese, right? You're heaping on the cheese. Why? Because it is going to make you fat and you're going to love every minute of it. That's the idea Jesus is giving here. Jesus is saying this very clearly. Heap on the blessings. Heap it on. Pour it on. Like, go get extra. Grab more and bring it back over and put even more on. Now, Kylie, that's a lot different than when sneezing and you just say, simply says, bless you, right? That's a different idea, right? So, like, if you sneezed right now and I said, bless you, no, really, bless you. I mean, really, Kylie, bless you. Come here, give me a hug. I mean, that would be heaping on blessings for a sneeze. And by the way, if you sneeze, I'm not going to hug you because I'm not sure what kind of germs are over there. But Jesus is saying clearly, heap on the blessings. Why? Here's why. Because our responsibility as Christians is to show the love of God to a hurting world, even to those who hurt us. That we need to show the love of Christ to a world that is hurting, a world that is dying, a world that's falling apart, a world that's broken. We have a responsibility to heap it on to pour it on. We've been doing that uh, this last week and a half in the Bahamas. Uh, people who are hurting. Uh, I was down there three days this week, in Marsh Harbor and Treasure Key and Freeport. The devastation is, is overwhelming. Uh, I, I walked through villages where there's not a house left. I stood on Friday, on Thursday, in a, a little village, a little uh, neighborhood in Marsh Harbor, and the neighborhood's called Mud. It's a community of uh, largely Haitian refugees that were there in the Bahamas, probably that had moved there, come there after the earthquake that took place a few years ago in Haiti, and, and so many people lost their lives. Obviously, they came there with nothing. They didn't have the resources to build, you know, palatial homes, and so they built little lean-tos. They put up uh, plywood, and, and, and they just did as best that they possibly could to find a place to live. They were right there by the docks, right there by the water. And thousands of people lived in this little area. The houses that they built, uh, there was no electrical grid to support their homes. And so what they did is they actually would tap into the electrical systems of the businesses around them. And, and the government knew they were stealing electricity, but nobody cared because they were trying to heap on blessings of people who had been through so much when that earthquake hit Haiti not long before. As I stood in that village, that neighborhood on Thursday... 
not one home was continuing to stand. In fact, in the middle of that neighborhood, there were large shipping containers that had a few days before been over by the docks, by the water that had come off of the the ships. And because of the fierceness of the storm, Hurricane Dorian, those shipping containers had been blown off of where they were standing and they rolled across those homes, crushing everything in their path. There were still, even as I stood there, sadly bodies that had not yet been recovered from under the rubble that was once their home. Scores of people died in that neighborhood. Everything is gone. Everything is lost. And as I was standing there on Thursday, I couldn't help but think about what Jesus was saying here. Heap on blessings. Because we have a responsibility to show God's love to a hurting world no matter what. That's why we're collecting clothes. As I walked through that village, the thing that hit me, as I was looking on the ground and and literally seeing like, like nothing left, but underneath the rubble, I saw shirts and pants and socks. I saw uh, bathtubs that had been destroyed. I saw, at least on three occasions, Bibles that were left there. And there, there was one house that I stood on, or one place that I stood where there was a house where there was nothing left, but right in the middle of what once was a home, the only thing left in that spot was a Bible open to the book of Isaiah. They've lost everything. And so we're collecting clothes. May I encourage you, bring clothes in. We're going to collect them all this week, next Sunday, because we are going to take those clothes back down there to those shelters where these 70-plus thousand people who have nothing, who have nothing left. I, I, I actually flew out uh, a family of four on Monday night from, uh, from Treasure Key, a mom and three kids. And as they came out, they had with them everything that they had salvaged from what was their home. And they had everything that they salvaged, and it was in a bag about this big, like a large, like a beach bag, really. A few items of clothing, nothing else left. I mean, nothing else, just that's it. And so we're going to take these clothes down there. We're going to deliver them. We're going to deliver them through the churches in that community to bless and to encourage. Why? Because we have a duty, according to Jesus Christ, to bless those and to show love where we can show love. We have that same duty in our own neighborhoods. You have that same duty in school. You have that same duty to that person who sins, uh, sits in the class next to you, who maybe is not kind to you, who makes fun of you, maybe even bullies you, maybe laughs at you and mocks you at every turn. That person you work with that, that's just a horrible person and you can't stand to be around. That person who maybe lives down the street from you that every time you see them, you try to avoid them because of what they do. Here's what Jesus, the Son of God, said. Bless those. Heap on blessings. Because Jesus commanded it. Bless those who curse you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, here's what he calls it. Therefore, be imitators of Christ. And how is it that Christ is the one that we need to imitate? How did he show us how to love this way? I mean, again, that's, you know, it's not rocket science, right? How did Jesus show love to everybody, even those who cursed him? He died on the cross, and he rose again. The New American Commentary, Craig Blomberg, says this, the true test of genuine Christianity is how believers treat those whom they are naturally inclined to hate or who mistreat or persecute them. The true test of genuine Christianity. How do you treat those people who treat you badly? Jesus said, 
bless them. Heap on blessings. Show the blessings like nothing you've ever done before. That's the first one. The second one, be a servant. Look what it says in verse 44 again. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. Now, I want to just focus on that word do for a moment. Is the word do, it is, a, is it a noun or is it a verb? It's a verb, right? I mean, that's what the, the word is, right? It means to actually, like, get physical, get, get accomplish something, make something happen. And so Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. 1 John 3, 18 says this, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Man, if we could just take that verse from 1 John 3 and impress it upon every single one of our lives, it would change everything. In other words, don't just say you love them, show that you love them. There are some wives out here like, yeah, I believe that. I mean, yes, absolutely, if we could figure out how to, to apply that to every situation and every walk in life. No, listen, not just say that you love them, not just get up in church and say, oh, we love the world. God so loved the world, and so do we. And then we walk out of here, and then we treat them as if they're our worst enemy. We go online to Facebook and to Twitter and whatever else, Instagram, all the other social media things, and we attack, and we are vicious and we go after them because they don't act like we do. They, we go after them because maybe they, they, they disagree with our stance and our viewpoint. And we attack, and we attack, and we attack. And Jesus said this, do good to those. It's an active verb, a responsibility that we have to actually accomplish something. In fact, in 1 John 3, the word Greek, there's the, the Greek word ergon, which literally means to toil. Now, I don't know about you, but when you hear the word toil, that's not like a real attractive word, is it? Because here's what it means. It means like hard work, right? So like if you go to work tomorrow, wherever you might work, and let's say you're doing something there and, you know, you kind of love it. It's kind of fun. It's not really hard work. It's, I mean, you just kind of love what you do. It's not a big deal at all. That's not toiling, right? But if you had to go to work tomorrow, maybe and dig ditches, if you had to go to work tomorrow like those are doing in the Bahamas right now who are, who are digging out bodies of those who've lost their lives, of cleaning up, cleaning up after a devastating storm. That's toil. That's hard work. It's hot, and, and, and it's not clean work, and it's not comfortable work. And isn't it interesting that that's the word that Jesus used here? So he said this, do good to those who hate you. In other words, he says this, toil, do hard work to those who hate you. I don't know about you, but it kind of is lining up here as what Jesus has commanded us to do of how to love our neighbors. It's kind of lining up as like, this is not like a cakewalk, right? This is like hard work that Jesus said that you need to love your enemies, to love your neighbors, to love all of those around you. The next one. So we got two words, right? Be a blessing, right? Be a servant. The third one, be a prayer warrior. Look what it says in this passage. Again, verse 44, last part of the verse. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time that you prayed for somebody that you really can't stand? Now, I don't mean like pray for them like, God, strike them dead. That's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. God, get them fired. I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking about God, I ask that you bless them. 
God, I pray that you would just show them how awesome you are, that you would show them and reveal your love to them. God, I pray that you would allow me to be an example of Christ's love to them. Regardless of what they do, regardless of how they act, God, I pray that you would give me the opportunity to be a blessing to that person. Let's be honest. When's the last time you prayed for that person in that way? Got to be honest with you. We're not really good at that. Why? Because we are all humans, right? Anybody here human? Any humans here? Kylie, are you a human? Awesome. In our human nature, it's not a natural thing to pray for those who who persecute us. It's not a natural thing to to pray God's blessings on those who are hurting us. But yet Jesus commanded, he said, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Okay, I got to be honest with you. There are some people in this world today, and I could name them, I'm not going to do it, promise, who, who spitefully use me and persecute me. I know who they are. There's one guy on Twitter. I love him. <laughs> and man, he persecutes me at every turn. And in fact, I, I've like, like, I try to avoid like looking at Twitter now because this guy like is just constantly attacking me about everything that I say and everything I do. I could put on there, God so loved the world, and he would attack. I could say, hey, we just fed this many people in the Bahamas who had nothing, and I got an attack. And by the way, that's not like a could be. That's like he did it two days ago, three days ago, as I posted some photographs of, of the work that we're doing in the Bahamas and attack after attack after attack. And listen, there are some people, I know I, there are people who persecute me. I, I get it, okay? I have a responsibility according to God's word and according to the commands of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. You need to pray for them. When I read those posts that he replies to me and attacks me, <clears throat> I got to be honest with you, I don't feel like praying. In fact, I feel like looking him up online and trying to find his house. Uh, that's what I feel like. I, I, I feel like, um, well, I, okay, you get it, right? You know how I feel, right? Okay, you guys feel the same way. You know, like, so that's what I feel like, but Jesus said, no, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Why? For God so loved the world. I hate the fact that we as Christians don't love the world as much as Jesus did. I hate the fact that we as Christians are so quick to condemn and so quick to attack and so quick to denigrate and so quick to put down those who disagree with us and who don't like us and who attack us. And yet, then I go to God's Word, which is our our manual, and it says, God so loved the world. I would, I prefer as a human that this say, and God so loved the good people. That's what I prefer as a human. But God's a lot smarter than I am. God's a lot more loving than I am. God is a better being than I am. And God's word said, God so loved the world. Do you? Jesus said, pray for those who use you and persecute you and attack you. In fact, Revelation chapter 5 verse 8, actually it talks about how that our prayers are like incense to God. It's like a sweet-smelling aroma. If you go through all the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, when incense was used in the tabernacle, in the temple, it was used as a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And in Revelation chapter 5, you know what it says? Our prayers are incense to God. 
I hate incense. I've been in stores before where they're burning incense. It drives me crazy. Like, it gives me a headache. I, I don't want to smell it. But God likes it, okay? Which is great because, you know, it's awesome. Um, we'll burn it in heaven, and I'm sure God will help me get over my aversion to that. But here's the deal. Um, our prayers, according to God, are like an incense, a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Did you wake up this morning and think, you know what, I, I would like to actually be what God refers to today as sweet, as special, as someone that is blessing me. I, I, I want to be that every day, right? Said, we read it a moment ago, be imitators of Christ. Why? So that we can bring honor and worship and glory to God, not ourselves. That's what God tells us to do. So be a prayer warrior. Be that kind of person in everything that you do, okay? So here's what we come down to. When we pray for others, it is the time when we reflect God's character more than any other time. More than any other time, it's how we reflect God's character. Because when we're praying for someone, even those, especially those that we don't like, especially those who attack us, especially those who persecute us, here's what we're showing. We're showing God's love anyway. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Be a prayer warrior. The last one. Here's the, here's the result, right? So there's three acts. Be a blessing. Be a servant. Be a prayer warrior. Here's the last one, just briefly. Here's the result. The result is this. We will make our father proud. We'll make our dad proud. Anybody here, like when you were a kid, man, you wanted to make your dad proud. I remember when I was a kid, man, I wanted to make my dad proud. I wanted to do whatever I could so my dad would have a smile on his face and, and just think, man, I'm so proud of my boy. What's cool is, and what I didn't really realize until I got older, is that just by getting up in the morning, I made my dad proud. By just hanging out with my dad, I made my dad proud. My dad was proud of me no matter what because my dad loved me that much, right? That was cool. It was awesome. My kids now, I understand it. Man, I'm proud of my kids no matter what they do. Good or bad, I'm still proud of them. I mean, I'm, you know, sometimes they've been bad. I'm like, I'm proud of them, but I can't tell them, right? You know, like you shouldn't have done that. Man, it's awesome. That's good. I, you can't do that stuff, right? But here's what we do. Our result, result of living the way that God has told us to live, loving those the way that God has told us to live, is we'll make our Father proud. Look what it says in verse 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, do not misunderstand this, Okay. Because you would read that and you think by loving others that we can be perfect. I'm just telling you, you will never be perfect on this earth. I will never be perfect on this earth. It is impossible, right? Because we will not eliminate, get rid of our sinful nature. It's not going to happen. We are always going to be lacking as it comes to perfection on this world. Only Jesus was perfect, uh, perfect on this world. But that's not what that word is meaning. What that, mean, that word perfect there is really meaning is this, so that you will be mature. So that you will be like growing closer to him and becoming more like him. That you will be made stronger in your faith. That you'll be growing up in your faith. And so he says this, therefore, by loving others the way that I told you to love others today, Jesus said, you will be made better in your walk with God. You'll be more complete in your walk with God. John Walford said this, while sinless perfection is impossible... Godliness in its biblical concept is attainable. 
Every person in this room, and I don't care what your past looks like, every person in this room, you can accomplish the status of biblical godliness. You can. Perfection, not a chance. Biblical godliness, you bet. And Jesus told us how to do it. Love your neighbors, you bet. Love your enemies, absolutely. Bless those who persecute you. Do good to those who hate you. Yep. Pray for those who use you and persecute you. Absolutely. And if you do that, you will be made complete. Biblical godliness. And I, listen, I hope that's the reason you're here, is to accomplish, to attain what only God can give, biblical godliness. So here's what it comes down to. How do we love? We use the model that Jesus gave to us. We do what does not come naturally. We treat others the way that, not, that we would like to treat them. We treat them the way that we should treat them. We do unto others as we would have them do unto us, not do unto others as they do unto us. Like we've twisted that, right? They're mean to us. I'm going to be mean to them. They attack me. I'm going to attack them. They go after my candidate. I'm going after theirs. No, 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 no. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then Jesus said, and you will be made perfect. I pray with all of my heart that this is a church that is the model of biblical love. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Just love. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way that you challenge what is natural in us, God. It's natural for us not to love those who treat us badly. It's natural for us to not do the right thing. But God, I pray that through your word, that as you challenge us, God, I, I, I thank you, God, that you give us that, that picture of what we must counter in our own uh, being and counter in our own minds to actually accomplish what you've called us to accomplish, to just simply love. God, I pray that we'll do it. I thank you that you give us the opportunity to do it. And God, I pray that we'll be faithful in that, God, because we know the greatest example is the one that you've already given. We, we started out today talking about it, that God so loved the world that you gave the only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is the picture and the example of love, that he paid the price on the cross for our sins when we didn't deserve it, that he died and that he rose again, and that by believing in him, Romans ten thirteen, anyone who calls on your name that we will be saved. God, thank you for the gift of salvation. And I pray right now, if there are people in this room who need to come to the place where they're convicted because of maybe the fact they've not been loving the way that they should love, maybe they've been not treating others the way that they should, or maybe they've never accepted the gift of love that came through your son Jesus by believing in him as their savior. God, I pray right now, help us to fix it. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment we're going to stand. And as we do, our altar is going to be open. Our team's going to be here. And I encourage you today, if you've never accepted that gift of love that Jesus is, that God gave, extended, even though we didn't deserve it, 
All you've got to do, regardless of what yesterday looks like. And by the way, all of our yesterdays look bad. There's no degrees of sin in the economy of God. Like all sin is bad. All sin is bad. So it doesn't matter what yesterday looks like. Here's what it is. God loves you anyway. And God allowed his son Jesus to die for your sins, no matter what they look like. And so if you're here today and you have never accepted the gift of love shown through Christ dying on the cross and then three days later rising again to give us new life, man, I just encourage you today, make a decision where you say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Save me today. Forgive me of my sins, God. And he is waiting. He is so excited to do that. And so in a moment, we're going to stand. And if you've never met Christ, or maybe if you're watching right now, wherever you are in the world, last week, it's amazing, the people watching this service, that they, the, the, the most impact and results that we had was in the nation of Nepal, of watching this service. It's just cool. We were impacting people in Nepal with the gospel. And that's great, but how sad would it be if you're sitting in the room <laughs> and you don't know Christ? Don't let that happen. So in a moment, I encourage you to come down and talk with one of our team members here. Maybe you want to come and just kneel here and confess, God, I have not loved the way that I need to love. I'm sorry, God. And by the way, we said it again earlier, if you're not loving those the way you need to love, people you like, people you don't like, let me say it, that's sin. And that is something for which you need to say, God, I am sorry for my sin. It's not like you blow it off and you just try to, I'll do better. No, 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 no. It is sin that needs to be confessed. And so today, if you need to come and kneel here and just say, God, I'm sorry, I encourage you to do that. If you want to come and join our church or come for baptism, if you want to come and leave a prayer request, whatever God is speaking to you today, our team is coming, let's stand right now. Let's sing together, and I encourage you to step out right here and right now. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of, of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. 
That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves. Thank you.